fumbling and like going dry in my mouth. Then we stop it. I'm like, good. <laughs> hey, we're back for part number two with Jonah Deep Dives. We're talking about the Jesuits. If you missed the last one, I'm going to recoup really quick. And t- we started talking about the history of Janus and the Jesuits moving up through the education system. But we went back and we, because it's necessary to give you the historical tangents, part one, we talk about a lot of the historical tangents prior to the education systems. And where we had left off in the last one, we were talking about Janus and we were talking about uh, Gilgamesh, no, Nimrod, and how that carried up through Egypt, uh, even through the Canaanites and the Phoenicians and ended up in Rome. Uh, that's the reason why you have the pine cone and you have the penis of Osiris in Rome. And I'm talking about the Vatican, Vatican City. That being said, Jonah, here we go again. <laughs> yeah. And like you're just saying, because um, we are off there when we said some of this. Uh, if you look at um, the Vatican City, they do have the obelisk. And it's actually kind of funny because Janus is the reason that we have January. And that was Julius Caesar. Now, uh, Pope Benedict actually died on December 31, the day before the day of Janus. So it would have been a sacrifice too. Yes. Then, with his funeral, they held it outside under the obelisk. Yes. Which is kind of odd. Yeah. I, I thought that was a sacrificial ritual, personally. Yeah. And then, like I say, too, uh, if, even if they did not do it on that day, if they announced on that day, you still get the energy of everyone mourning, right? Yes. Uh, Absolutely. And then I thought it was quite odd that they had the ceremony outside in what would be Rome's winter. Yes. Yes. And it was I, definitely good. I said, yes, having an outdoor ceremony in Rome in, in the winter makes zero sense. <laughs> well, unless you actually talk about the fact that they're directly under the obelisk, which is, you know, everyone ties it to the story of Osiris. Now, Osiris actually had two faces, same as Janus. Um, now, basically, the story of Osiris is the story of Janus. Now, it could be that languages were different, and maybe they are you know, just the same story, but the different names, etc. Because this with the story of Janus goes back all the way to Noah, even. Yes. Uh, so there are people that tie it to Noah directly. You know, for uh, me, I look at the continuity. All right. When when I look at patterns, I look for continuity and discongruity. So when you see a continuity of practice, a continuity of political and and secular and religious practice that carries on through multiple regions, multiple peoples, and even unto today, these ceremonies and these rituals are all the same. The holidays are all the same. I cannot for a moment say that, okay, they changed to hide it maybe, but they're not hiding what it actually is. Most definitely. Um, Even if you go back to, uh, like we were saying uh, just in the break there, is the... If you go back to Nimrod and then Samirinus, which is the wife, and yes. uh, their their son, I believe, is Tamur. I go, yeah, I go blank on that. Um, so the story of uh, Osiris, or sorry, the story of Nimrod is the exact same as the story of Osiris. Uh, when Nimrod passes, um, his his uh, wife, whatnot, does get 
the Immaculate Conception. Uh, she ends up provide, or she ended up having a child on December 25, and during this time, uh, she was actually uh, worshiping the tree because of Nimrod. So if you look at that, it, the ceremony for Christmas that's celebrated today is actually the ceremony for Nimrod, right all the way back to Babylon. Yes. And it's kind of funny because with this, um, with the religion, I guess, of uh, Samaritanus, that was a religion based on mother. And then the, as far as that, um, Catholicism or Christianity prior to Constantine, who was the emperor of Rome, prior to that, it was more of a Gnostic-based religion. Yes. And then Rome, or the Vatican is set up, and then all of a sudden it is actually um, a replica, I would say, of the mother-based religion of Samaritanism. Yes. So, so again, too, this is kind of like where you're looking at the order of the Jesuits and the Catholic order, whatnot. And a lot of it is definitely not aligned with the um, the well, teaching. I should point out that the original statues of dark skin, you all. Almost definitely. Um, like uh, the recently when uh, with the Orthodox Easter, whatnot, right? Uh, they've had that story where Putin was giving away. Um, whatever the his uh icon and then the icon of um but if you actually looked it up it was an icon that was presented to alexander the great and yeah and uh the jesus figure and that was also black yes again uh, and so that one actually is pre all this uh pre all of the um uh the creation of the vatican and that would be Again, too, it actually had the um, more of an African-based Christ figure. um, They call it the um, it wasn't the Messiah. The I think it was the Savior is the name of it. But then, go ahead. Well, I mean, we're talking about all these connections between Egypt and and the uh, Vatican Jesuit order and Janus. And a lot of people are not aware of this. And I have pointed them to your, uh, you know, the two-faced God with, with uh, cult rejects um, because you cover it in depth there. So now uh, let's get back to the education because yep. you and I hit on something very important on break. Um, yep. Want to start there? Yeah, most definitely. I was about to come back that way anyways. So <laughs> I couldn't find it last show, but as soon as we get into break, I find it. Um, yes. The uh, Jesuits themselves, it does appear that they possibly had more universities, et cetera, within France than the rest of Europe. Um, so the, the, the document that I'm looking at is actually, um, it's, a, uh, it's a book, but not, um, not book, but an abstract. So the title is The Jesuit Schools and Universities in Europe, 1548 through 1773. Now, nice. it's with the um france they actually have it it looks like at least seven or sorry at least 54 lo- uh, locations that are created from 1558 through uh the last one would be 1730. 
So they had a, uh, they had these locations I mean set up all across France. Then with these locations, you know, again, too, we we're saying you're providing your children to the people, believing that they're providing a proper education or your values or morality that aligns with yourself, right? Yes. <coughs> well, the thing you and I hit on, folks, what he and I hit on is there were 48 Jesuit universities or schools in France from 1500s right up before the revolution. Yeah. And Again, go ahead. I was going to say, and what I had said about the Jacobins in France, the Jacobins embraced the three different groups that were inside of France at the time, constitutionalists, Republicans, and I can't remember the other group, shame on me. Um, and they embraced them. Well, they didn't have to embrace them if they already had educated them. Think about this. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Now, the one thing that, too, was kind of jumping on me, um, and, and in brackets at the end, they actually have schools that are also boarding schools. Wow. So... You would have uh, people that are there year-round? Yes. Like Ebenezer Scrooge. So again, too, if you're um, providing your child and they're there year-round, would anyone even know what they're uh, being taught or educated on? Exactly. And, exactly. Uh, as far as that goes, too, uh, they actually had them. Um, so, uh, what's his name? Ignatius of Lola actually had his own specific um, daily meditation or whatnot. Uh, I forget the title. I'm actually going to pull it up right now. So he had a specific um, praying prayer method that they all had to follow, including the students and whatnot. Uh -huh. and they actually they had the exercise. That's what it's called. Um, mystical science and purgation uh, of the soul and 30 lessons of, and exercises. So you see wow. basically teaching them um, Basically teaching them, uh, you know, meditation, um, mystical conversation is what they call it, actually. Yeah. So again, too, that's kind of definitely outside of what you would say. I would actually say that's the Gnosticism, and that would be true Christianity. But definitely, yes. it's outside of what's being taught um, as far as publicly, right? Yeah. Hey, yeah. Yeah. And then, as far as that, they would even have a, they'd be taught how to speak. Yes. And then um, there's actually a section here, and this is actually uh, titles called Americans Have Been Warned About Jesuit. But it says uh, the Jesuits commissioned by God to cast down Protestantism. Yes. So again, too, you'd have just before uh, just before the creation of the Jesuits or Society of Jesus, the Protestant faith is created, and then the Jesuits are created right after, and they're at war. Yes. So again, too, this could be all one way to um, weed out the heretics yes or you know it might actually be the original protestantism was um actual factual you know what i mean well you know for but, me i always i always look at martin luther and his or his origins and i look at the fact that that the, the roman empire was losing its grip on europe um because of all the things that they had already been doing that were just horrific um so Martin Luther was an opportunity to still maintain control of populations while giving them a false choice. Does that make sense? 
yeah, that's definitely um, that's definitely I, I haven't thought of that myself, but it definitely makes sense because you know, again, too, like you were saying, they had just um, they had what four crusades prior. Yes. Now uh, people don't really understand the crusades were also against other Catholic or Christian faith, mm-hmm. depending on which one you're talking about. So again, yes. a lot of people were deaf, and then at, actually at that time too, the the liturgy was actually performed in Latin. Yes. And, and the, all all the texts were in Latin, so the majority of the people back then didn't actually speak or read right or write latin so again you just kind of hid their entire belief from them but they were expected to still show up right yes yes well the other thing too what you're pointing out is like the cathars yeah cathars depending on how you want to say it um they you know the pope was so adamant about getting rid of them that when he was told that there were there were Catholics amongst them. He said, "Kill them all and let God sort them out." Yeah, that's where that saying comes from. After they also went after Gnostics, they went after anybody who didn't try, didn't practice traditional Catholicism under the rule of the Pope or the Holy Roman Emperor, whichever way you want to say it. Yeah, um, so so we ended up with uh, forty-eight universities in France prior to the revolution which was led by jesuits and then we come forward and we have all these other ones that were established after um in all parts of the world by the way not just in europe um so you were talking about the connection between um the crusades and the expansion of, of the jesuits yeah so um if you look at back into the uh, the Crusades, etc. Um, basically, you, you had what is called the Great Schism. Um, yes. So there were two. The, I think it was 1053. So there was two popes or two heads of the Catholic order back then, or yes. Christianity. Uh, the first was actually in Constantinople or whatever I think, or Antioch, one of them, which is both. Constantinople. Yes. And and actually, Sophia or whatever that. Sophia, whatever, um, you know, the, the mosque in, um, in uh, Istanbul today, Sophia, yes. uh, I can't remember, what's that name? I know Sophia's in it. Uh, but anyways, uh, that was actually originally a Catholic church that was created by um, Constantine himself. Yes. Uh, but so with the Great Schism, you had the, the division of the churches into two. And then mm-hmm. one, or I think, I think it was uh, the fourth uh, the fourth um, crusades, the fourth crusade was actually just uh, just the like Roman side versus the uh, Constantinople side. Now, yes, uh, that is also when uh, the Knights Templar were actually disbanded, and yes. then after that, a lot of people had to lose their respect or their um, submission to the Catholic Church. Yes. or whatnot so then uh, that is when the society of jesus or the jesuits are uh, created and now within this one uh, the one text here that i'm looking at it actually says that uh, to deny that this society of jesus is perfect is a heresy yes so they actually have to create the citizens have to say that this order is perfect huh. uh <laughs> yeah uh so again too the, even if you look at their whole um their whole belief system 
it was like um, they have a number of things like uh, if you're sleeping with a member or a, a church member's wife, that is not a sin. Uh, so um, as far as that goes now, is with the teachings again, uh, that's what I was going to get to. Um, so when you look at the conquistadors, whatnot, uh, the conquering of S South America, when they did this, what they would do um, is that the, when they would create or when they would uh, take over a community, like a town, whatnot, they always had um, brothers or monks with them. The monks would actually, yeah, uh, like, but monks is, I think, the title, right? Not priest. Um, but they would actually take over and create the school system that would be yes. there to teach the new community. And I think they actually did her in North America too, right? Yes. Um, but that's when they would set up the church. And, and then they, this would actually be required for the, like, uh, the First Nations individuals that would be required to um, believe in God. Like the European God, I guess it would be the Catholic God. Yes. Uh, so that would be how they would, um, you know, uh, switch the society and bring it over to their side, whatnot. Yes. Um, yeah. Now, yeah, what people let me let me visit this. What happened was, just as the Spanish came over, they brought their they brought their monks with them, and, and we know them commonly today as Franciscans. And I've met some who are just phenomenal individuals, folks. I, I got to say this about them. But they set up schools inside the native populations, and. In order for you not to get killed or your children not to get killed, your kids had to go to that school. That continued right up through Canada and the United States into the 1970s. Some places it's still going on, just to point that out to you. But uh, in the United States, they, they claimed that it was military schools, but it was run by Catholics. Um, same thing in, in Canada. Um, so what happened is, is we have this 400-year, 500-year uh, indoctrination program um, that was designed to eliminate native belief systems. Yeah, uh, like, um, well, even here in Canada, they have went up, I, th I think the last one was opened in the 1980s under uh, Justin Trudeau's father, and they wow. finally closed in 1996. Now, even with him, we um, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, I have personal information on this because my great grandmothers were subjected to it in Oklahoma, and both of them ran away, along with their brothers and cousins and everybody else. Uh, many of them managed to escape. Thank goodness. Yeah, and they, even with uh, Justin Trudeau's father again too. Like I say, he he was um, involved in opening in uh, the last one, which again too, I believe it was in nineteen. 19- uh, 1980s that he uh, opened the last one of the residential schools. But then originally he had, and I'm actually looking up right now, there was a controversial, very controversial, he had what is called the uh, Statement of the Government of Canada on Indian Policy 1969. This was called the White Paper. Um, it, yes. it, was, it was openly rejected by everyone. So when he had to recall that uh, white paper. Let's see here if I can find the quote. Basically, it was like, uh, they want to live in ghettos for their whole life. Let them. So we'll get into this. Quite funny. Um, the I should say funny, but it was quite uh, indicative of their belief system. 
that even as far as like 1960s, they were creating a new and more um, more restrictive uh, in a, like a school system. People were already very um, very aware of what was going on within those school systems. Yes. Uh, so there was a. Go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, yeah. the problem that you have is, is that people still don't want to believe how horrific it is. Do you find it curious? I'm just pointing this out to you. Do you find it curious that communism, the, the, the real mafioso, I'm talking about like the De Medici's and what have you, um, and the Catholic Church have always been intertwined as far back as it has existed? Uh, I just think they're actually one and the same. <laughs> so you and, uh, I, you and I, yeah, I just think they're one and the same, right? You know, just um, you know, just different arms of the same. You know, can't always do things that are public as much as uh, you, you know. So you also well, need uh, that's why you have to have an order of assassins, and you have to act like creating an education system, which. You know, education system, y'all, I, I, I pointed this out before when Jonah and I were talking, but Nelson Mandela did not lie to you when he said that education was the greatest weapon for change. You can take three generations of people and educate them to believe whatever you want them to believe. It doesn't mean it's true. It just means that they believe it. Um, yeah, most now, definitely. while we're talking about this, while we're talking about this, you know, we always hear about this one world religion. This one world religion. Do you think it's Janus? Um, I would say, uh, yeah, more than likely it'd be the Janus. Um, they might give it a different name, but it is going to definitely be based on uh, the, you have the keys to the, uh, so Janus is the god of all gods, yeah. uh, god of beginnings and endings, um, the god of doorways or, or portals, you know, arches. Yeah. So I definitely think that it's going to be under the idea. I think they might change the name because with them, it doesn't really matter the name, you know? Yeah. Um, I think definitely, again, as far as that. Now, with the uh, with the One World Religion, I don't know. Did I send you the – I think I did, actually, with the um, group chat. Um, yeah. When, when they had the One World Religion conference within Kazakhstan, Yes. There was actually concerts in uh, within Kazakhstan where they were doing massive, uh, as far as the screens on stage. Yeah. They had all the um, Freemasonry, uh, Compass and Square, all mm -hmm. that directly at the One, uh, one World, uh, One Religion um, Summit. Yes. Now, yeah, what, again, folks, you, you need to, I don't mean to keep interrupting, but I keep yeah. wanting to no, make sure yeah. we get the information across. They had a one religion conference in Kazakhstan, and you can look that up yourself. He's going to go through some details, but I say the same thing when I'm on Jonah or Patrick or anybody else. Do not believe or disbelieve us. That doesn't help you. Either know or don't. So one religion conference in Kazakhstan. Now. <laughs> yeah, uh, as far as that, too, the, like that conference actually goes annually, uh, yes. but it was actually... It was actually um, quite uh, quite documented this year because the Pope attended. Yes. Um, and again, too, it's called the Congress of Leaders of, of the World and Traditional Religions. 
So basically, with that one, uh, it is as it where they do have leaders of all the religions of the world gather, and they're basically going to have, uh, you know, as far as people coming together and aligning with their belief system. So even if you look at uh, Catholicism right now, there you have the. It's in UAE. I think it's Abraham House is the name. Yes. So they've actually created a one world religion church where it includes a mosque, a synagogue, and uh, like parish whatnot. Yes. And as far as that goes, uh, basically with this current Pope, Pope Francis, he's already come out and said that uh, we all or we are all under the system of Abraham. So mm -hmm. they, they all need to come together. Which is kind of funny because you know then, as far as that, Jesus would not be the like son of God, and then um, Muhammad would not be like you know the Messiah. Well, here's the thing that people need to understand is that Kazakhstan, specifically Astana, and I know they've changed the name so that we couldn't find it. Um, I don't know what they changed. I don't know what they changed the name of it too, but Astana is where they have the, had this first big conference. Um, the, to point out that if you have not seen Istana, look it up. It's it's a it's a nightmare, is what it is. Um, to to anybody who's aware. But here's the thing: the one world religion. If, for those of you who listen to me who are Arab, look up Araman and Dajjal and find out where the Dajjal is supposed to be coming from, because it is going to be coming from that area, the Istans, and Istana. In Kazakhstan, sets right dead center in the old territory. And with that, um, they actually changed the name to Nur El Satan. Unless they did it again, and that's N U R. Thank you. They switched it uh, to the name of the um, president, president right. there for uh, yeah, he was president there for uh, three decades. <laughs> so that kind of seems like uh, is that a president or kind of a king? Yeah. Uh, as far as that too, it, like basically the way you think of it. Again, I was raised Catholic, so this way. Um, oh yeah, we got to get that. Um, but uh, basically, it's like the councils for like the Council of um, the Second Vatican Council of Vatican Council, the Council of Nicaea, and yeah. then the one that the Jesuits had opened right after their creation. It was the Council of Trent, and it ran for like eighteen years. Yes. Now, with this one, the Council of Trent actually does call for the elimination of all heretics, and is still considered open. So uh, basically, uh, the, the Catholic Church would have a decree that all heretics are supposed to be eliminated from the world, and it's still considered open. Now, that's kind of you know, definitely... Go ahead. I was going to say, now, what's interesting here is, is we have the decree from the Council of Trent, we have the Jesuit order that has a seeming marching order. Now, here's the thing that has, it comes of interest to me, and, and a lot of people are, might miss this, but it, do you not find it interesting that the Zionists in Israel, not necessarily the Torah-following Jews, the Zionists in Israel, some of the imams and sheikhs within Islam, specifically out of Saudi Arabia um, and Egypt, and some of the Eastern Orthodox churches all work together with Catholic Church and Jesuits um, over the course of the last several hundred years. Is that not yeah. really odd? Yeah, and there's actually uh, there's actually a book that I found, but I didn't really jump into it because I kind of stayed away from that. But 
there was a book that was uh, specifically listed uh, about the Jewish influence of the Jesuit order from the beginning. So that would also line up too, right? Again, I would say that for that, that you'd be looking at you'd be looking at the um, Samaritanist or the religion of Nimrod or whatnot. Maybe mm-hmm. further back the um, you know religion of Set, if you want to call that whatever it is. They have always been so. It's been a secret society, right? They are always willing to, to secretly join other institutions, right? Mm-hmm. So again, to basically that now you'd also look at Rockefeller last uh, century, right? Yes. So when he wanted to um, change the uh, Protestantism within America, uh, when the you know the bishops or the, the pastors and whatnot were not agreeing with him, he ended he, up just taking. He created the Evangelical Conference. Then. He also started. He also started funding the universities where the uh, uh, what's it called now the seminaries. Yes. He he created the or he actually ended up creating a huge amounts of donations and ended up taking over the you know taking over as far as the financial backing of the seminaries. So once yeah, he did between, that, between him and yes. And once you do that too, right? Do you have an influence on who the actually uh, professors are? So within yes, exactly. again, two, within three decades, you have the complete control of control of what the um, information that is being pushed out, right? Yes. But and that, word, I, I probably should reiterate that between Carnegie and Rockefeller, they started funding seminaries that were having issues. To the point where they took over the seminaries. And if you went to a seminary school within the last 30 years, you are getting Rockefeller education at your seminary, not religious education. Yeah, most definitely. Um, what the heck? Um, now, <laughs> it's, so as far as that, again, too, like you have all these different. Um, so, again, we're looking back at uh, the Rockefellers that we've been talking about, um, you and I, for every episode uh, then we've talked about all the um we talked about all the different uh education methods now it's kind of funny because i looked up for the name of the church uh, the one world summit i opened uh-huh. it up and the advertisement is for gonzaga university wow. <laughs> yeah so gonzaga <laughs> university would be one of the ones that is a jesuit yeah that, no coincidence there yeah, and I'm like I saw that. I'm like, uh, let me double check here before I get into this. So now, uh, the other thing is too with the the, the Jesuit order is um, with it, they definitely seem to be tied directly with the um, Knights of Columbus. Now, the Knights of Columbus is a secret society within the Catholic Church. Um, yes, there is the four degrees that are public, and then I do believe there is a, like the you know or. There is definitely more that you know, kind of like um, kind of like Freemasons, right? Uh, people can generally earn the three degrees, yes. but then you have the th- thirty-three. So I believe the Catholic or the Knights of Columbus is the same order. Now the, the um, Jesuit is definitely tied to them, and it, it actually lists the Knights of Columbus in the um, within their oath as that, as far as that they do have to like support them. Uh, so again, with that, that's Gonzaga University within um within USA. So people may not be um, aware. Now, it's kind of funny because 
I was looking at something um, recently about, um, I don't know, I was looking up, but um, anyways, I saw that Boston College was listed. So I actually, whoever I was messaging, I was like, wait, you're telling me AOC is one of these Jesuits? But uh, she went to Boston University, not college. So Boston College is actually definitely one of the schools here in America. Uh, there's Kinesius, uh, the College of Holy Cross, Creighton, uh, Fairfield University, Fordham University. So Fordham is definitely, you know, one of those ones yes. where a lot of the elected leaders come from, Fordham. What about Penn State? Uh, Penn State is not listed. Wow. We know Georgetown. Yeah, Georgetown for sure, Gonzaga. Um, then there's a, a bunch of the Loyola, Loyola universities, obviously. Marquette. Wow, Marquette is? I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, wow. then you have, yeah, then you have uh, St. Joseph's. So again, too, you have a lot of these ones where they actually use the name of like regular saints. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so you'd look at like, uh, they have St. Joseph's um, in Philadelphia, St. Louis University, uh, St. Peter's University in Jersey. Um, mm -hmm. Saint Santa Clara again. Who that would be Saint does, but again, who the name of the city? I, uh, I need to point. I need to point out too. People aren't going to like me saying this, but Brigham Young. <laughs> yeah, he's directly a Mormon, right? Because yeah. he kind of faded out. Um, there's also the University of Detroit Mercy, which is kind of funny because what, I lived right across from Detroit forever, and I didn't realize that Xavier University. Xavier. So the, so they list uh, 29 here, and I just went to the list on uh, Wikipedia as far as that goes, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I wouldn't say they're the best, but uh, let's be honest, for something that's the public information, you know. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, now, just think about the, the universities that we're naming, Georgetown, Loyola, Gonzaga, Xavier. Think about how many politicians and how many formal well-recognized people that you could identify as graduating from one of these universities. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Um, We're getting and, honorary degrees. Oh, yeah. And then you also have the um, you also have the uh, the high schools or the secondary schools, right? Yeah. And let's see here, because it actually says, so let's see if the list uh, doesn't actually give a total number. But uh, let's see yeah, here. Okay. If I... Lots of secondary schools are boarding schools. Yeah, uh, here we go. So this one on Wikipedia, the listing, where is it here? United States, no, it says edit. Really? <laughs> it looks like it's about 60 or 80 of them anyways. So as far as that goes too, you know, the, the, as far as their education system, they do actually have, like I said, um, they do have their exercises required daily. So that is the exercises that were um, created by Loyola or Ignatius himself when he was injured due to the um, uh, the cannonball, which again, too, seems very odd. Like got hit by a cannonball, you're like you're still you're still around, you know what I mean? So to me, that's definitely very odd here. And uh, I used to have, I used to have a Catholic school. I used to have a friend that went to Catholic school, and when they were doing their dedications. Uh, he and I'd be out in the alley smoking because I, I I lived in a place that was behind the school, and he they they would come out in the alley. There'd be like eight or ten of them, and sometimes you'd even see a priest out there smoking a cigarette with them. It was funny to watch. And I'm actually just scrolling down here because uh, this one actually supposed to have all the different um, the uh, different what is called um curriculum, uh, different categories as far as the curriculum. 
Yeah. And, so like, uh, there's also a number of the, within the Jesuits, there's a number of uh, specific commands that are, you know, um, it's again, like uh, it's kind of hard to explain, uh, but uh, right now, like if you think of like the Catholic church itself, right. Um, and then you have this order underneath them when they have their own commands, their own uh, prayers, their own outside of it. So that's just definitely seems odd to me is what I'm going to get at. Like you have, um, what's going on here? Of course, I'm recording. Everyone's trying to get a hold of me. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, for me, it's interesting because I've made the connections between the Phoenician merchants, their mercenaries that they always had with them, and the Catholic Church when it was established under Rome, and the mercenaries that they've always had with them. And then those mercenaries and assassins and spies transitioned from the merchants into the Jesuits over several hundred years. A lot of people aren't aware of that history that goes back that far, but, you know, we, we know that it goes back to Janus. We know it goes back to Egypt, at least, um, and Nimrod. So, I mean, it's like, I, I, for somebody like you and I, that we do the research and we study, those those patterns are very easily found. Even if it takes a long time, you can still see the patterns and the transitions. Yeah, it, most definitely. Why is it that why is it you think that so many people can? Do you do you think it's because of the way the education system is? Well, I think um, again too, a lot of that's indoctrination. You know, so they give you they give you the answer. So if you think of even like um like you think of even like with the last uh, three years, how many people still think like the poke um, actually like is a is a vaccine? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, so I, I can see that. You know, the other thing too is is, is these schools had an advantage that a lot of people wouldn't realize this because for a long time, if you wanted education, like say secondary education outside of your, you know, county schoolhouse was run by the county, the people within it paid for it. It wasn't public. If you wanted school outside of that and beyond that, you had to go to what was offered. And unfortunately, in a lot of places, that was a or, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it. Um, or what you did with it, that was a Catholic institution. And yeah, if you was... wanted college, if you wanted to go to college, university is what they called it back then, you had to go to a Catholic university because that was what was offered. Yeah, that was uh, one thing I was going to touch on too. Uh, as far as that, um, if you look at the time when they created this, like their religions or their schooling, I mean, yeah, there was like there was no other option, Options. right? So yeah. they literally had like um they were the ones who pretty much created the education system itself. So yes, or at least the modern education is what I should say because they they were the ones uh, as far as that they were the ones who actually created the option for people to attend instead of just you know being the aristocrat who has the uh, authority or the ability to attend the school. Exactly, uh, and and something to point out: the aristocrats themselves often had sages and and professional teachers that they hired and out of if you go back through the like 14 15 and 1600s numerous of the individuals that you see historically were taught by jesuits yeah uh, with the ones that they hired they'd be actually a jesuit trained um so it'd be you know someone who's actually loyal to the order of or the society of jesus as you call it right and that's yeah. when they would um they would hire them from them, and that's uh, as far as like I say, they they were intelligence operatives, you know, because they were actually collecting the information for the Jesuit order yeah. and uh, they were collecting the 
they were collecting the information while indoctrinating the children. Yeah. So most definitely. You know, double double indemnity. <laughs> yeah, and uh, again, too, like it's kind of funny because you also think as far as like intelligence, as far as whatnot, right? If you're looking at um, if you're looking at you know your maid or something, right? Uh-huh. They're gonna have all your information that you wouldn't even provide to someone. Just well, you know, you, let's let's talk about the French Revolution. When they went in there and rounded up the oligarchs in France during the France French Revolution, they knew where they were, they knew what they were doing, they knew how to get to them, and yeah. they they had all that information already. Um, so th- that's the reason why it was so quick, you know. Um, people don't understand that that having been there as long as they had had. And having indoctrinated and educated the the children of these oligarchs for all that time, it was real simple to throw the revolution because you already had control of the place for almost a hundred years. Yeah, like uh, like you think of a maid or a servant too, they would also have all the secret passageways or whatnot. If you have the old days, right? Yeah, the escape routes. Yeah. So then they had everything. In, they would are already set up within the um, home and able to like, you know, they were definitely there and able to treat or block all the escape or the, all the, uh, you know, possible escape routes. Yeah. yeah. But so, now there uh, were, were a couple of marquees folks. I just got to point this out just, just to be fair. There were a few marquees that were able to escape France and ended up in New Orleans and St. Louis. And one of their children actually was part of the Chisholm trail, part of, of establishing the Colorado and the Texas uh, cattlemen's. So, yeah, no. so some of them did survive, but they had to flee with what little they could in order to do so. Now, uh, the other thing that you bring up with that is actually with the New Orleans. One of the children was um, secreted away, which was the child of the Pacers, right? Yes. And they ended up having basically they were given all the land in Louisiana, which then you have the Louisiana uh, trade or whatnot in the future. Yes. But uh, but again, and to that, um, it was a child of what's her name? I want to say Cleopatra, but that's not it. Um, Mary Catherine, or is it? Uh, the have the cake and eat it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, anyways, her her child was secreted away, and then sent over to North America and had basically been provided all the land that was Louisiana in the future. So you have the royal families that were directly involved too, and they had yep. the direct uh, heads up or prior knowledge to yes. have the child removed, whatnot. And then let's go ahead here. Um, now, again, too, with the, the Jesuits here, this is another thing, because I have a bunch of stuff here on my screen, which I'm going to kind of overwhelm myself here. Uh, <laughs> they also had, uh, specifically, they had um, the moral code, or the moral, they had their own moral code. So they had a specific moral uh, system that they were providing, or they were teaching the children, right? So uh, basically, like we said, their morality of people, you would actually be in control of all the way from the beginning of their life. Yes. And here, let's go ahead here. I think I have a. We, we have their moral codes, which, you know, killing babies and, and pregnant women and, and butchery and assassination and poisoning. All these things are within their realm of, of operations. Does that not sound like Sabatine Frankism to you? 
It it definitely does too. And uh, actually, you know, as we're going through this, it definitely seems like we're getting a lot more. Like it's um like I was saying to you, uh, there was a book that I one of the books that was about the uh, the Jewish influence on the Jesuit order from the beginning. And then I I would say that to myself, it does seem like um even if you look at like um the Muslims or the Jews and whatnot, or there's definitely some society within them that is not really aligned with the teachings that they're providing. Seems like it seems like they might be wolves in sheep's clothing. Where have we heard that before? Or a two faced, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you didn't catch our podcast. I'll let him say it. Yeah, the, the, um, the wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah, with uh, the, the new on the uh, window. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, Theory Society. Uh, they, so they actually have their logo, and their communist organization. Uh, their logo is the wolf in sheep's clothing, and it's kind yes. of funny because with that. Um, the podcast series I did with the New York Patriot, I named it uh, Two Faced Deception or Wolf in Sheep's Clothing. So both of these things uh-huh. tie in directly um, with that. Uh, I keep trying to say during you're in my conversations that you cannot disconnect one tangent from another or you miss the interconnectedness of all these things that go all the way back to Rome in 79 AD. <laughs> now, uh, the other thing actually is there, I forgot to bring this up. They were actually providing their own textbooks too, right? So again, with that, yeah. you have... Go ahead. Oh, yeah. I, I was just agreeing with yeah. So with that too, right? They, um, they... Uh, with the textbooks, they would actually have, like, if you wanted to read or whatnot, they would have your mind when you're not even being, like, indoctrinated. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, let me point out that the CIA in the United States has printed the school books in the United States since the 1950s. These companies that, that print the books are often part and parcel to the CIA, but those texts come straight out of CIA intelligence, by the way. It's been that way since 1950. So any textbook that you've read since 1958 has been written and or approved by CIA contractors. Let's just say it that way. Uh, here's one that's definitely funny to me. Um, so the book that I'm looking at right now, its title is that Jesuits in the Natural Sciences of Modern Times, uh, 1814 through 2014. And the chapter, the, the paragraph I'm looking at is the Earth's magnetism. And it's like the uh, number of Jesuit scientists of the old society, including, and they give the list of names here, had already engaged on different aspects of magnetism. Yes. So they're, they're directly involved with the... Um, magnetism of the earth too which is so that'd be gravity so it, here's the interesting thing to me until Jesuits took over the universities um, and even after they have studied the magnetism of the earth and that is what they refer to magnetism is the, the electric magnetism is the great force of all force and then gravity is a result of magnetism but they will not teach that in public schools and yeah, too, that would definitely tie in with the fact that um, it was all Jesuit uh, trained individuals who were responsible for um, the heli- heliocentric. Yes. Wow. I, that's, I didn't even realize that. Wow. I missed that previously. Yeah, right. <laughs> now, something else to point out. It was a Jesuit scholar that just released the 
the uh, sun traveling through the galaxies and the earth spiraling around behind it. Um, you know, that new, this yeah. is the way the solar. Here's the problem, folks. Use your common sense and your rationale. If every planet is behind the sun, going around in a spiral behind the sun, even if we somehow get pulled up and go around it closer, how can we be across from the sun from another planet? Well, that also goes back Physically. to uh, – oh, sorry, go ahead. Physically impossible. Now, I'm not talking about heliocentric, geocentric models. What I'm talking about is, is if you are in alignment with the Earth on the left side of the sun and Saturn on the right side of the sun and the sun is in between you two, you cannot be behind the sun being pulled through the galaxy. Come on now. Yeah. Well, that, that also aligns with um, that also aligns with the um, what I was talking about previously. Uh, you have the cosmic microwave background and that was first discovered in uh, I think it was just prior to the 2000s, but then the first time they mapped it, it placed the Earth like down the central line. And actually, the second yeah. time they mapped it, uh, they actually were able to place the Earth more times. So basically, based on the points that they're using, uh -huh. uh, they're able to place the Earth as the center point of, on that line a second time using more more locations. Now, the other thing that's quite funny is if you take uh, the every satellite, every star, every whatever documented, yes, and and you uh, map them out, it comes back as like um two, basically two sections of uh, uh like a basically two uh two pizza slices of four slice pizza. Then yes. when you when you move that, the Earth is actually the center of all of the stars and all the all the solar systems. Isn't that curious? Yeah. And it's kind of funny, too, because it's like if you look into this area and started going down that rabbit hole, and they call it the axis of evil because they named it after George Bush, they claim. But I think it's because it destroys their entire careers. <laughs> yeah. um, if you go down that rabbit hole, you'll see that a number of these scientists are like, oh, if this is true, like everything in our uh, everything, everything in our science is wrong. Uh -oh. So. <laughs> and then uh every time they do um, more research on this what they call it, the excess of evil it's like um basically it continues to prove more so that's why I, I would say that's why they're doing all these things like uh, the float or the flying earth with the sun uh, so basically yeah. they're trying to pre-bunk i guess uh, the fact that the earth is descent now what's also interesting is if you actually line that up, I do believe, because uh, I actually, one of the books that I've read listed as 12 degrees east longitude. Well, that would actually be kind of right where Rome is. So, uh -huh. they, the, so they've so they actually placed Rome on the center, uh, center pillar of the tree of life of the earth. So that's that, huh? That's definitely something that would be interesting as far as, you know, yeah, most definitely. So they basically you know, what I'm trying to say is that in previous generations, people seem to be aware of things that definitely that we are not aware of today. Uh, now, one yeah. of the one of the Jewish people I know, or one guy I know who is Jewish, I guess is a better way to say it. He has told me, and again, um, I'm not there, so I can't confirm it, but he has told me that with their religion, their faith, that with every generation we go forward away from the creation, 
we are considered less of uh, less of God's creation. So that would definitely be kind of aligned with the fact that, like, you know, every time we every generation you see is they have less knowledge but more technology. Yeah, well, and that fits with the aeromonic stuff that I I've done throughout my podcast. Speaking of the the elimination of the spiritual and and, and replacement of the material. Yeah, so that would uh, yeah, definitely uh, that's a better way to say it. Most definitely. Um, again, it's kind of funny too because what I was going to say is if you look at um, if you look at like uh, you know, anchor anchor what or whatever, right? Or you look at the uh, pyramids. They, everyone's trying to tell you how they were created or when they were created, but um, obviously someone previously was able to create those. Unless they were not human, obviously we have less knowledge. If that makes sense, I think I think the uh, I think the cataclysms um, twelve thousand nine hundred twenty five thousand fifty hundred thousand. I think those cataclysms destroyed humanity step by step, and and pushed humanity from a spiritual level to a material level, and everyone who remained spiritual was attacked by this group out of the Mediterranean. Native American, Slavs, uh, Goths, Pagans, uh, Heathens is what they call them, the Hearth people. Um, everybody who remained connected to the earth and the spiritual has been subjected to horrors that you, you couldn't even list if you had an encyclopedia, you know? Yeah, most definitely. Um, like that one book I was talking about is, um, the name is uh, The Quantum Physics of Psychedelics. In that one, they basically uh, his philosophy is that as the um, wavelengths or the sound like the sound wavelengths through the earth change, those are those cataclysms that you're speaking with or about. Yeah, you know, and then you have then you have the yugas where you have the golden age, the silver age, the bronze age, and the iron age. Um, yeah, and hopefully the yugas are correct, and and at some point in time the iron age ends and we go back to the golden age, right? <laughs> Now again, too, with the with the um, uh, with the education system created by the Jesuits, they actually are the first ones to do the mental education. Uh, so you'd have psychology it would be something that's directly created under their belief system. So even if you look at all of psychology, um, like if you look at last year, they finally came out and said uh, they said that um, you know there is no uh, chemical imbalance that's ever been proven. And uh, so basically that all the all these diagnoses of ADHD, all these uh, whatever, uh, uh, they have no scientific measure for it. Well, a lot of people don't understand that the, the field of psychology and the field of medicine and education, all three were taken over by the Rockefellers. Um, so if one is not valid, how can any of the other two be valid, right? Well, the other thing too is, um, for myself, I don't, I just can't buy into the psychology stuff because, oh yeah, with both of myself, right? It's like, man, like I have two brothers, and we have the same genetics, but we're nothing alike. Like, how how can you actually base that? Because there's obviously so many impact or factors that are going to come into play, right? That are uh, definitely how how is someone that's not involved in that? going to be able to diagnose and actually accomplish it. Oh, the guy who created the diagnosis for ADHD retired 
and says, "Look, I just made that up for my for my uh, published paper." Yeah, and admitted uh, after just a load of crap. Yeah, that's the one where uh, like he's the one that just uh, recently said, um, "There is no chemical imbalance that's ever been proven." Right. <laughs> well, so yeah, here's my thing. Here's my thing. Folks, I'm speaking of psychology from a person who has experience. I am 16, 16, what they call uh, development hours or work hours, or they actually got another term, but but uh, uh, clinicals. There you go. I am 16 clinical hours from finishing a bachelor's in psychology. Why did I not do the clinicals? Because they wanted me to do it for free at any facility that I could get into. And they wanted me to do the work of a clinician as a student in order to get my clinicals done after I had already pretty much disagreed with the whole system that they had in place from taking four years of classes. <laughs> and then uh, you definitely, if you even look at, like, even if you look at it, right. Um, so if you look at the ADHD, uh, they basically prescribed amphetamines or SSRIs. Yes. And both of those actually have a known um, a known uh, side effect of schizophrenia or yes. so and it's like why would you be giving this to a young child and then one of them actually I think it's the SSRIs actually has a black a black box label for um, suicides so because like four aggression. yeah so again too it's like why are we giving this to children and then you, you see all these events that are happening and you know, all um, so, yeah. You know, for me, I, I I was hyperactive, which is what they used to call it. You have a hyperactive kid. It's hard for them to focus. It's hard for them to stay steady, right? I used to, in order to go to sleep, I drank coffee. I still do. And when I need to focus, I always have coffee with me. I still do. I drink it stronger now than I did back then. But my, my grandparents figured out really quickly, just send the thermos of coffee to me with, with my dinner at, at school. Because they wouldn't let me eat the school garbage in, in the 70s. Um, and I would drink that little thermos, you know, in your little, your little you know, take to school book. Um, I would drink that thermos of coffee during lunch, and I was fine once I figured it out. Now, yeah, um, let's go ahead and uh, talk about um, Dr. Fochi. Where do you want to go, brother? <laughs> Dr. Fochi, he's uh, from Georgetown, right? So he's Jesuit trained. And then you look at, um, you know, you look at 1980s. Everything oh, yeah, that happened 70s. with that. So yeah, it's uh, interesting too, because you, just a lot of people don't realize now, Fauci is Jesuit. Yeah. <laughs> overtly, yeah, in order to eliminate heretics. Yeah, and then um, actually, there's a actually uh, there's a movie that came out recently, and I've only seen the trailer for it and over on social media, but it's called The Trial of Doctor Fosu, and it actually goes through and actually yeah, excellent. It actually goes through and actually uh, aligns a lot of things with uh, a lot of his words, with you know, kind of mixed, um, you know, taken into context that uh, is slightly different place of context. And uh, every, then it's, it's completely different, right? Uh, so if that makes sense, so it was like basically taking a portion of the interview and uh, removing the other portion, and then all of a sudden the context completely changes, right? Yes. And aligns basically with the um, elimination of the heretic. Yes. 
folks, if you haven't seen it, it's called The Trial of Anthony Fauci. And you can find it on BitChute that I know of. I don't know about Rumble. But, uh, y'all should watch because it, all the stuff that I have talked about with Fauci being a murderer since the 1970s is revealed in this show. Yeah, and then um, so the other thing that we have to look at, why, like, he's the only federal employee that's been there for, like, what, four or five decades? Five decades, yeah. So he's the only one that's been at the top, kind of like Jagger Hoover was the only one, you know, six decades as far as that with all the. So yes. that definitely is out of alignment. Um, all the stuff in the 1980s where the the uh, gay community was saying that he's killing them on purpose. And then, uh, you know, um, you have the video of him. A-Z-T. Yeah. And then you have the video of him right before the uh, pandemic, the alleged pandemic, and he's like, "Oh, we're gonna need to the mRNA vaccine and whatnot." So he's basically telling the pandemic right before that happens. So he's, you know, there's definitely a video of him specifically calling for it right before it happens. And then uh, oh. the I don't know if you've ever got into um, what with the um, orphanage. Yes. So yeah. uh, basically, for anyone listening, uh, there was a bunch of orphanages um, that in Brooklyn within like New York City. Yes. And they, uh, this was during the AIDS epidemic. These children were being signed off as um, tests. What did I guess. Say? Yeah. So they're being signed off as uh, guinea pigs, pretty much. And then they were doing things as cruel as sending them to the hospital and, and um, placing a feeding tube right directly into their abdomen so they could continue to study on the children. And everyone knew about this, but basically when uh, the investigation came around, because it was signed off by Mr. Dr. Fauci, uh, they were saying that the, um, the end client was responsible, not, not him. So again, see, that's definitely something that, you know, you have all these things that are lined up for you. Decades and no one actually did anything, right? Yeah, I want to point out to folks what we're talking about is Fauci literally tortured children to death during clinical trials on them that were completely unnecessary, including giving them tetanus, including giving them hepatitis, um, giving them AIDS. Um, He tested on these kids because they were quote unquote wards of the state, had no protection. And then when everything was done and over with, he was declared innocent because he was a client, not the actual person doing it. Yeah. While working for the National Institute of Health, by the way. Well, while being in charge of it. Well, at least the one one division. So then, uh, you know, you have all these different um, alignments. Now, then you have also, which is quite interesting, um, Plum Island, which had to be closed, right? Yes. So then uh, with this, they ended up creating a new Plum Island, which hasn't been open yet. But, uh, of course, they placed it right in Lawrence, Kansas. Right in the middle of the country. Yeah. So they have a, a BSL Biosafety Lab 4 right in the middle of all, all food production as well. Well, and the so, other thing to point out, too, is, is when we talk about Lawrenceville, Kansas, we need to point out the Spanish flu. That was where they were injected at. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think of that. Because, uh, yeah, we basically know that that was originally a Rockefeller uh, vaccine. Rockefeller that was a Rockefeller vaccine that gave the troops the 
Spanish flu that then traveled with those troops. And everybody says, oh, no, it traveled with the, uh, the uh, telegraph lines. No, you all. The troops were telegraph operators. All right. Let's just get this out in the open right now. Everybody says, oh, well, it's because of this and that and the other. No, the troops traveled with the telegraph lines and installed. They came out of Lawrenceville, Kansas. They were injected. And as they traveled and got sick, then you ended up with the Spanish, what they call the Spanish flu, which should be called the Rockefeller. And on top of that, too, right? Um, Dr. Fauci was the one who did the paper in the early 2000s that later claimed that um, the majority of deaths from the Spanish flu were actually the, um, what is called their... Um, uh, pneumonia uh, caused by the uh, the filth within the mask. Yes, yes. So yeah, the yeah. Yeah. No, so basically, go ahead. We have two hundred years of this stuff. I mean, you can go back to the uh, outbreak in the in the late eighteen hundreds, and it was really interesting to watch all the plebes wear masks, while the elite and the wealthy and those at the top didn't. And you kind of to hear what you said. <laughs> uh, what I said was, is, is uh, and folks just heard me, but I'll say it again. What we can go back to the outbreak in the, in the 1860s, and what you saw is you saw the people who were dying wearing masks and being locked inside, while the elite of the time, and even the outbreak in the 1900s, the elite of the time didn't wear masks, and they were out in the sun. Yeah. Well, even then too, um, when we had the when the pandemic first hit, I was I would tell everyone, I'm like, you think that staying in your house is more than wide open air? Like that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Because if the air outside is bad for us, the air inside is bad for us because it comes from outside. Well, you know, for me, it's really curious because when I was a kid, and folks, I'm old. I, I'm I'm old, but in the '70s, if you had a sick person in the house, their window was opened. It didn't matter if it was wintertime. Their window was opened because that fresh air was the first thing that the doctors wanted them to have. Well, and even at the start of the conversation that uh, before we went live uh, earlier, I was just talking with you and we were talking about the word Independence Day. And I yeah. said uh, one of the things that I posted was like, you know, the word the, the reason that the independence, the word itself of the event or the holiday it's important is because if you look at 1976, yes. uh, you know, 12 people died from the swine flu virus and then uh, they had to be shut down immediately, yeah. you know, but they got way past 12 on this one, right? So yeah, they had 12, 1,270 in the first week. Yeah. Uh, now, okay, here we go. Uh, here's another one that I have open. I finally found some of the stuff here. Um, and now, so as far as the their ideals of science and faith, um, they have uh, this book, it, it lists the physicist's approach, then followed by the biological approach, the psych psychological approach, and sociological approach, then eth ethical. So they're basically breaking down the ways in which they would actually, um, you know, line up the, the teachings. Yeah. And it's definitely kind of funny because they start right from the, the anatomy, right? And when you go with the anatomy, um, one thing I would like to point out is, I think it's hilarious that people have been taught to think that um, tobacco is cancerous. Uh, because, exactly. well, just to begin with, um, 
when you look at the list of ingredients, like I chew tobacco and it says right on it, there's lead in it. So, I mean, it's like, oh, is it is it the tobacco that's cancerous or the lead that's put in there? Exactly. But then, um, uh, let me explain this since he brought this up. Um, uh, most people who smoke cigarettes have no clue that there are between 1,300 and 18 chemi- 1,800 chemicals added to that cigarette in a slurry. What you are actually smoking is chipped paper. That has been run through a tobacco slurry that has 13 to 1800 chemicals added to it. Then it's dried and put inside your cigarette. People get on me about smoking cigars. The cigars that I smoke are expensive. Yes, I do not smoke that many of them. However, not only is it real tobacco leaf rolled up inside, but it is a tobacco leaf rolled around the outside. There is nothing in here besides tobacco and what they might have sprayed on it while they were growing it. Yeah, and then um, the other thing is, uh, if you look at the human body, right? You have uh, our body is loaded with nicotinic receptors. <laughs> so actually, our bodies are set up to receive nicotine because it actually regulates our central nervous system. So they take away a product that uh, regulates your central nervous system, and then sugar, which destroys it, is in everything you eat. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Sure. and I tell you something else, folks. Refined sugar is different than raw sugar. But the other thing that you need to be careful of is is high fructose corn syrup is not corn syrup. <laughs> I don't know if I'd do corn syrup. Yeah, either, but... most definitely. Um, that no. The funny thing is, too. Uh, well, that that is all Warren Buffett, right? He has the the, the um, patents on all that stuff, right? Yes. So, uh, <laughs> and then uh, yeah, now now today, think of it. Um, today you have uh, Bill Gates buying up all the um, farmland, which is going to be like like uh, yeah. You- using cancer to to generate beef and and chicken yeah now the the other thing the the other thing here i want to point out yes our conversation is taking a strange tangent is is a tangent we are talking about the ability to poison you without you knowing it yeah um what is this name actually there was actually a doctor and i could think of it until we're off of air and that's gonna but there's a doctor within the USA who actually, um, in the 1900s, went out of his way to prove that America was being poisoned where Europe wasn't. What was his name? Uh, Watts or something? Right? Is that it? Rife was one of them. Okay. Yeah. So basically, you, know, you can look it up, but um, this doctor literally uh, went out of his way to prove that Americans were being poisoned by the food manufacturers. Oh, yeah. And that's, well, that's, you know. We have absolutely proof of that. I've got a friend that lives in Mexico. And if you look at the box of cereal in Mexico, and you look at the box of cereal, the exact same company, the exact same product, if you look at the box in Mexico, it has like five ingredients. The box here in the United States has, uh, I think it's 18 ingredients, is what it was, 18 or 23. He showed me several of them. But it's 18 or 23 ingredients. And one of those ingredients is a parts cleaner. <laughs> well, even here in Canada, right? Uh, we have a few less than America, but we have more than a place like Mexico, right? Mm-hmm. So it's definitely, uh, as far as that, it, you know. And uh, the one thing I wanted to point out, though, is as far as the what they used to prove that, um, so again, what they used to prove that nicotine was uh, carcinogenic is that there's one study where they had, uh, anyone can look this up, but there's one study that was used, and it was that when you inject nicotine directly into a humanized mouse with a tumor already 
existing, it causes it to grow. Yeah. And that was the only study yeah. that they had to um broad. Yeah. So again, too that sorry, yeah, you're cutting out here on me a little bit. Um but that's all right. I said it it was fraudulent. Yeah. And then, like I say, too, um, with that, you, we have to look at the fact of when things regulate your central nervous system, again, too, that's also going to include like your endocrine, right? So pretty much that's going to destroy your, uh, you know, your ability to um, I don't know, actually have any motivation in life, actually, you know? You know, with and, me, what I, look at, what I look at is, is we know that there are, there are THC receptors in the body. And you don't have to smoke weed or go out and get this really potent stuff in order to get the effects of the beneficial effects of having a small grade THC in your system. As a matter of fact, hemp oil in and of itself has such a low grade that it does it barely even tests for THC. Yet you still get the benefits from properly processed, refined uh, hemp oil, uh, pressed. Um, and then you think about the receptors for for the uh, the receptors in the brain that when people use a psychedelic, oh my goodness, look at the difference in people who have used a psychedelic just once. Did I lose you? Well, folks, we are at one thirteen thirteen. Look. I think I have lost Jonah, which doesn't surprise me. We're talking about. No. <laughs> um, we have two hours of excellent programming for you. I will get them up as quick as I can. And that's probably not even necessary. To say. Oh, did you make it back? Mm -hmm. I can't hear you, brother. You all right? Mm -hmm. Jonah? Mm-hmm.